Um, the reading this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 2, um, and we're reading from verses 11 to 22. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greetings to my beloved brothers and sisters at St. John the Evangelist Blackheath. I greet you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to thank your vicar, Eddie, for the invitation to speak on this important series, Life Together, Ethnicity, Church, and the Gospel. Our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save the lost. And by that, he meant people of all nationality, Jews and Gentiles alike. People of all nationality gender, ethnicity, social status, and creed. Christ's passion, therefore, and resurrection was for all humanity. By that I mean his death by crucifixion and his resurrection from the dead, which is the bedrock of our gospel message, was done for the sake of all humanity, once and for all. After being tortured at the Roman army barracks, the Antonio Fortress, in the city of Jerusalem, we are told that as the Roman soldiers gave Christ his cross to carry, he started his journey to Golgotha, where he was to be crucified. The scripture says that as they came out from the fortress, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and him they compelled 
to carry Jesus' cross. According to Matthew 27 verse 32. So remember, the Roman soldiers actually commandeered this visitor to Jerusalem from Cyrene in Libya. A black African man to carry Jesus' cross. And as many theologians believe, Simon, a black man, helped Jesus to carry the cross as part of God's universal plan for our salvation. This is because Christ's passion and resurrection was not only for Jews, but was also for Gentiles. He died and rose from the dead for all humanity, once and for all. And so today our gospel is preached in every nation, to every people, to every creed. Because whoever, whosoever believes in Christ will not perish, but have everlasting life according to John 3.16. So no matter their nationality, their language, their ethnicity, their gender, or their social status, Christ came to die once for all, meaning Jew and Gentile, male and female, black and brown and white. And the gospel is for all, because according to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, but all are one in Christ. And as the writer of the Hebrew puts it, speaking about God's will, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. And so the gospel was preached and has been preached historically to people of the world. Blacks, whites, browns, and all nationality. Because in Matthew, 8, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus said to his disciples, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. By that he meant they should go to every nation and in the Greek text it uses the word ethnos referring to ethnic people groups ethnic people groups meaning the same race human race but different ethnic groups and so today the gospel has been preached in every known nation in the world so that Christ can make a difference to their lives and the invitation is to all men women, boys, and girls. And as we know, the Church of Christ has been multi-ethnic because people of all shades, of all color, of all status and size have been part of the Church. In our second reading from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, this point is clearly made because we see a multi-ethnic Church involved in the ordination of Paul and Barnabas as they prayed and fasted together for the work that God had called them to. That multi-ethnic church in Antioch was the bedrock of the missionary work that we read about in the Acts of the Apostles. So the Church of Christ has been multi-ethnic 
The gospel is for people of all nations. Christ came to die for people of all ethnicity, of all nationality, of all culture. So the church has no option but to embrace this. Because that's exactly what we are called to. So if your church is monocultural, you've got to do something about it. If your church is in a community that is diverse, and you're not reaching the diverse population of your community, you've got to do something about it. Because if you think about it, as I say finally, about the vision in Revelation chapter 7, verses 8 to 9. After this, it says, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could count, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which seated upon the throne and upon and unto the Lamb. What a beautiful vision. What a beautiful heavenly vision that the Lord gave to Apostle John. That vision of heaven, of people of all nations, all kindred and people and tongues, standing before the throne of God, worshipping the God we serve, the Almighty God, worshipping the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, with robes washed clean by His blood, with palms worshipping in their hands. And so in conclusion, my brothers and sisters, we have no excuse to do differently today. We have no excuse to do any different from how the church did it from the days of Acts chapter 13. Because Christ came for all humanity. He died without prejudice or discrimination for any. He died for all. So the question you have asked about the church, about ethnicity, and about the gospel is so relevant to our life together, which is a shared life that we are all called to. Life together without prejudice. Life together as one human race. Life together as children of God, set apart and sanctified by the Spirit of God. And my brothers and sisters, I pray that you remember this daily, that Christ died for you and for all humanity, so that all of us, irrespective of ethnic group, irrespective of our color, irrespective of our shade, irrespective of our status in society, blacks, whites, Asians, Latinos, name it, who all receive the free gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us so that we would have freedom to follow Jesus Christ and to serve the only true God as Lord and Master. May the Lord bless us as we reflect on these words. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, 
Good morning to everybody who's at home as well. Um, wasn't that great? It was wonderful to listen to um, Bishop Carraway and really um, helpful uh, insights in his talk. And uh, I think it's just blessing. It's a real blessing to listen to that and uh, be encouraged by it. Um, and particularly because he hasn't been uh, at all well. And uh, um, I think it'd be good just to pause now and to pray for him uh, in his ministry. Shall we do that? Father God, we thank you for Bishop Carraway. We thank you for his heart for the gospel. Thank you for what he shared and the encouragement he's given to us. And Father, we pray for him that you will continue to restore him, that he may serve you, seeking to, to make Christ known throughout this diocese. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I just want to um, follow on that, really, and, and talk a little bit about um, uh, what we're going to speak about next, which is where we belong. But just to recap, from last week, we talked about um, creation, and that we were all made in the image of God, and all reflecting something of God's unity, and something, something of God's diversity, and it was very good. Um, but then the fall, we had the fall, and we rebelled against God, we sinned, it entered the world, we became enemies of God and we became enemies of each other and there was hostility and there was divisions. And today we're thinking about where we belong. We're asking how has God reconciled us to himself but importantly to each other. So let's Think about that from Ephesians chapter 2. If you've got a Bible uh, nearby you, keep that open. Paul starts um, by telling us to remember, to remember just how big the problem was. Verse 11, therefore remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. That's the the bad news, isn't it? The the fall meant we were separated without hope. Really important to take stock of that, just how bad, how terrible it was. For, For without God, we're as good as dead. We're living dead things without God. And to understand the magnitude and the, the wonderful um, thing that God has done for in reconciling us, we have to understand the magnitude of the division, of, of the hostility. Look at those words of excluded, separate, foreigners, without hope, without God. Paul starts out showing us just how far the, the Gentiles were from being accepted as part of, of God's people. This wasn't just a, an ethnic um, division, but it was actually a God-ordained one. Yet, yet God had a plan through that, didn't he? He had a plan for all people, just as Bishop Carraway was telling us. Look, look with me at verse 13. But now, phew, it's wonderful to hear that, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, in this passage, there's lots of temple language. 
So you, you had the Holy of Holies. Israel's high priest could go in there once a year. Uh, then you had the holy place where the priests go. Then you, you had the, the court of the Jews and the men go here and, and the women go there. And further and further and further you go, you have God-fearing Gentiles way back, as it says, far away. But now, but now you who were far away have been brought near By the blood of Christ, you've been reconciled. How have you been reconciled? By trying harder? No. Trying to be ethnically Jewish? No. But by being religious? No. It's by the blood of Christ, it says here. Christ died to reconcile us and God. uh, To reconcile us to God and to one another, to each other. We don't need to add anything to this. This is sufficient for us. This is sufficient. Secondly, um, we need to know we need to know our identity in Christ. Verse fourteen: For He, Christ, is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Christ is our peace. He is our peace. The peace of Christ. What kind of peace is that that he brings? It it, it isn't actually when two sides... Uh, just simply to decide, decide no longer to, to fight and they just kind of go home. That's not the kind of peace that, that Christ brings. It, it's there in verse 14. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. It's like we're fighting. We lay down our weapons and we move in together. That's kind of the picture that's going on here. One new humanity. We're no longer fighting with, our, with one another. We actually become one another. It's quite incredible, isn't it, to get your head around that. That the two become one. That's reconciliation, isn't it? It's a wonderful and beautiful thing. Brothers and sisters in Christ, one new humanity. Real ethnic harmony. An amazing reality. It's an amazing reality that you can go anywhere in the, in the world and you can find a church. And if you're a Christian, you're one with them. You're one with them. I, I think of the trip that I had recently to Tanzania and I, I, I felt more at home there with my brothers and sisters in Christ than I did when I was in... Uh, at the home, a home game with Norwich City. That's the reality, because we were one. Of course, it's important uh, for us to uh, look at the differences. It's important that hurdles are overcome so that we can get to know each other and communicate, that there are things that we need to be aware of culturally, absolutely, absolutely. I remember um, 
when I moved to uh, Columbus, Ohio in the States, um, just at the age of 22, went to study there. I flew into the airport. I met uh, someone from Friends International, it's a Christian uh, group who help overseas students to settle. Anyway, I had no idea who was meeting me, uh, and I had no idea how they were going to, to know who I was. But thankfully there, as I arrived at the airport, there was somebody stood holding a piece of paper with my name on it. Uh, he said, welcome. My name is Yasser, and I'm from Friends International. And he welcomed me in the name of Jesus, my brother in Christ. Uh, we shared fellowship. He was from Sudan. He'd become a follower of Jesus He um, was disowned by his family. He couldn't go back. But we shared fellowship. We were so different, but we were the same. Because we shared Christ. God had made us one. Through the blood of Christ, we had been united to each other. And it's because of the blood of Christ that it was sufficient. It was sufficient Verse 17, don't miss this, is a a wonderful and beautiful verse, so precious. It says, he came, Jesus Christ, and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him, through Christ, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. I think often we think like this with, with ethnicities, we think, here, here are the, you know, we can think like this here. Here, here perhaps the, the Jewish people who have all these things. They have the law, the, the, the promises. So we think God comes along um, and says, oh, you've got to get these, these uh, Gentiles up to speed to where the, the Jews are. That was what Paul was addressing In Galatians 2, if you've been doing the Bible studies in your small groups, if you're part of those, essentially, it's essentially this. You know, we have this stuff, and you've got to get to where we are in order to get to God. You've got to become a Jew before you become a Christian. Well, no. Verse 17, again, for through him we both, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. The Gentiles needed the cross of Christ to be reconciled with God, and so did the Jews, because God doesn't show favoritism. And of course, neither should we. We are one humanity. So how does this this beautiful picture work out? How how does it pan out for us as a, a, a church? Well, thirdly, we need to think about how we live together without barriers. Live together without barriers. Verse 19, have a look at that. Consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I don't know about you, but households can be messy, can't they? I mean, that's the reality, I think, uh, a lot of the time. Households can be messy, but the picture here is of a household. If you come uh, around to my place during the, the week, you'll th- see times where things are, are wonderfully peaceful. But there are other times where they're not so peaceful. 
there can be um, shouting and there can be hostility. Uh, There can be great times of joy and of blessing as well. Household life requires a kind of constant practice, doesn't it, of repentance. Plenty of working things out. But no one in the household would, would come along and say that they don't belong. Because they do. It's the same for our life together. There will be stresses and strains from time to time. Uh, uh, a lot of understanding is required, a lot of repentance, but we belong together in Christ. What we all share is the blood of Christ, through which he has put to death their hostility. The sufficiency of the cross. This is who we are. Verse 20, it's, it's built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. That's, that's the scriptures, isn't it? With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it, of, of ethnic harmony. And it's not something you or I have to achieve. It's something that we have to believe, isn't it? If we don't believe we are one in Christ, we're going to struggle to belong to one another in Christ. But Christ has achieved it. It is done. It is real. We are one in Christ, just as Bishop Carraway was saying. And the rest of it is about our life together. It's about walking in that reality. It's about being what you already are. The problem um, often as we face is that we, we have this spiritual reality, but we still live in a sinful world. We still sin, don't we? we? We muck up. And that means we still attempted to erect barriers between us. What might it be? What barriers might there be? One of the questions sent in uh, last week that we saw on the screen was about how we could reflect more diverse range of musical worship styles. And that's a, that was a great question. We realised there is more that we can do here to avoid barriers. And Liam um, said uh, last week that he would love to hear your ideas. So, so I encourage you to, to get involved, speak to him, email him, recognise Though at the same time, of course, it's not easy. and It's not straightforward. What, are, what other um, barriers? It could be the way that we uh, fellowship together. Maybe the way we have fellowship events where unintended barriers are, are created. What might they be? Well, it could be cultures can be, uh, have different expectations. The way that we... We've uh, grown up, the traditions that we hold. It could be around food and hospitality, whether you need an invitation or, or, or you don't. What kind of food you serve? Is alcohol okay or not? How long do you stay? All those kind of questions. This should, of course, make us think how we fellowship together, how we do events together. Uh, and we need to acknowledge that in a diverse church, these things arise and act, actively seek not to put unhelpful barriers in the way. 
Now, how do we how do we achieve this? How do we achieve this? Well, imagine a a, a newly wed um, couple. I know none of, not all of us are, are married, but imagine a newly wed couple. Imagine their first Christmas together. What can often happen is that barriers go up. Uh, the, the husband says, this is the way that we're going to do the Christmas meal because that's how my family have always done it. Have you ever had experience of that? And, and, and then the wife might say, well, this is the way that we have always done it. And they have an argument about how that's going to pan out. And walls of hostility go up. What do they need to do in that situation? Well, they must remember their union. Surely that's the first thing to do, is to remember that you've been made one, one flesh. Be strengthened in that union and in that reality. And I think it's the same with, with ethnic harmony. We are reconciled in Christ. We don't need to achieve it. We need to walk in it. We need to walk in it and walk in the reality of what we already are. It's ours. Praise God that it is ours. We certainly need to hear from each other uh, what the heartaches are and, uh, and what the grievances are just like in a, in a marriage situation, to hear what is and isn't working, how I've not perhaps been considerate or I've made assumptions. That's all important, isn't it? But crucially, it happens in the context of a relationship, of us being together. And the sad reality at the moment is, because of the pandemic, we're, we're not together, are we? Not in any real sense. Did you notice in um, verses 21 and 22, the word together uh, is repeated. And so togetherness is so important. Not just um, our spiritual togetherness, but also our physical togetherness. Togetherness in our diversity. Remembering the blood of Christ is sufficient. He has reconciled us through the cross, through the blood of Christ. We need to walk together in that truth. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you that you overcame our biggest problem You overcame our sin that separates us from you and from each other. We thank you that you've brought us to yourself through the blood of Christ. Thank you that Jesus has destroyed divisions. Thank you that he took on himself our sin, our hate and our divisions. We thank you that he shed his blood for us. He died in our place. Thank you that you have done that reconciling work and we are one new humanity in Christ. And so we pray that you will help us to walk in it. Show us, Father, we pray, how we can walk together in this truth. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.